0: Hey, real quick, before we get started, I want to tell you about the Build Something Club, an exclusive community designed to help you build something more. Now, I say build something more because that is the version of the podcast that members get. That version of the podcast includes longer ad-free episodes, pre- and post-show conversations, bonus behind-the-scenes episodes at least quarterly, plus a members-only community, live streams and office hours, members interviews, an advanced look at the schedule, a monthly behind-the-scenes newsletter, uh, and special deals and offers. If you want to sign up for just $5 a month, you can head over to buildsomething.club. And in today's Build Something More, I'm going to be talking to Amy June Heinlein, our guest, uh, about the differences between the WordPress and Drupal communities. I think she shares a lot of really interesting insights as someone who's never been In the Drupal community Or has even used Drupal uh, To my knowledge I can't tell you What the dashboard looks like Uh, And she offers Again a lot of Really good insight I love that part Of the conversation We have And honestly I think that Some of the best Conversations I've had On this show Were for Build something more So If you are interested In longer Ad free episodes Behind the scenes stuff And a community Of builders Head over to buildsomething.club. You can sign up for five bucks a month or 50 bucks a year. I really, really appreciate it. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 227 of How I Built It, the podcast that offers actionable tech tips. For small business owners. My name's Joe Casabona, and today's sponsors are Linode, the events calendar, and Text Expander. You'll be hearing about them later in the episode. Today, I'm talking to Amy June Heinlein. She is a community ambassador and QA engineer, and we are going to talk all about the open source community, contributing, and teaching. I loved this conversation. Uh, I I gushed when we were done recording. I just I love everything that Amy June had to say. I love her insight. We talk about music. We talk about the importance of having empathy while teaching. You know that's a big thing for me. And uh, I love her her insight as someone who has 20 years experience in nursing before moving over to the open source community. So things to look out for, common misconceptions uh, when you uh, are teaching people in general about uh, contributing to open source, things to keep in mind while teaching beginners, and uh, just general outreach and giving back. This is a great conversation with Amy June Heinlein, and I know you will enjoy it. So let's get on with the episode. Hey, everybody, and welcome. Welcome back to How I Built It. I am so excited that we have Amy June Heinlein. She is the community ambassador and a QA engineer at Canopy. And we're going to be talking about uh, contributing to open source primarily, but we will uh, we will wade into the accessibility waters as well, uh, making this a nice thing. Uh, third episode in an accessibility trilogy for this year. Uh, Amy June, how are you?
1: I am fantastic. It's really nice weather where I am today, which puts me in an excellent mood. Um, it was really hot yesterday and now it's in the 70s. So it's a it's a nice day to go for a walk. And uh, we actually have a tree around the corner from us that was hit by lightning a few years ago. And now that there's oh, wow. a beehive in there. And it's our daily ritual to go and visit the bees. And it's interesting because you can tell what the weather is like by the activity of the bees, like the warmer it is, the more active they are. So um, I'm really looking forward to that adventure after the podcast.
0: Oh, that's super cool. I had no, I'm like not, um, I don't know a lot about nature in general, I would say. (laughs) So I had no idea, but that's super cool. Uh, it's also nice here as we record this. It's been unseasonably cold, which made me grumpy. But sun is shining today. Kids are outside playing in in their little pool. So it's a good good day on both coasts. Ah, uh, so we are. So I'm excited because uh, your background is in nursing. My wife is a nurse, uh, but you also work in the open source space, which I also do. So I love talking to people who. Uh, can kind of uh, understand what both my wife and I are saying. Uh, <laughs> um, I interviewed Stephanie from um, Formidable Forms a couple years ago, and it was the same for her. She she was a nurse who transitioned into programming. Um, but before we get into that and how you made uh, your move, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do?
1: So, like you said, my name is Amy June, and um, I live in Northern California. I have most of my adult life, but um, right now I work for Canopy Studios as their community um, ambassador, and that's sort of a weird thing that not a lot of people have heard of. It's becoming more common, especially in WordPress, but um, I work both in WordPress and Drupal, and my main job with Canopy is giving back to the community um, because my CEO and Stefanic realizes that open source depends on us to contribute to make it happen, and since we both we um, rely on open source, both WordPress and Drupal, to make our websites and our digital assets, that it's our moral and civic. Uh, sort of our corporate citizenship to give back, and so that's why she hired me. So I travel to camps and I teach classes, um, not only on how to contribute back to Drupal, but I also um, am a accessibility advocate. So I I go and I talk about different things, accessibility. You know, how do you make your social media more accessible? How do you um, create alt text? You know, little things that we don't always think about. You know, in our content entry. Uh, beyond work, uh, I like to travel. So my job really helps me out because I really like to go see music. Like this morning, I was actually looking at uh, some of the tours coming out in the summer and seeing if they align with any of the camps that are going in person. Yeah, Um, yeah, we really like punk rock music and the bluegrass. So that's one of our things that we like to do. And then I like to geocache because it's outside. I don't know if people Mm -hmm. know what that is. That's where you take coordinates and you find treasures and you log them on the on the internet, you know, and, um, yeah. really make use of million dollar software, you know, to find little bits and pieces in the woods. <laughs> uh, so, um, I'm not sure what else. Uh, I have two kids, uh, but they're grown. So that's nice. You know, I have my life back. i um, sorry, parents, but it does get better. <laughs>
0: <laughs> very nice. Very nice. I, uh, I, we, um, I mean, as as we record this, this isn't public knowledge yet, but my wife is pregnant with our third, so we'll have two under two in December, uh, and I know that that will be exciting uh, and new adventures, but it is, uh, you know, it's a, a big life change. Um, but there there are a lot of really cool things here that you've already mentioned, so... Uh, I'm th- I'm thinking already that in build something more, maybe we'll talk about the differences between the WordPress and Drupal community because I don't know much about the Drupal community. I'm I'm pretty embedded in the WordPress space, so if you are interest, if you are cool with that, I think uh, we can talk about that and build something more to get that part of the conversation. Head over to buildsomething.club. something um, but also you like to travel and you mentioned that you like to uh, see live music. Punk rock is is my my jam, I guess, more pop punk because I grew up in in the '90s, and so like Blink One Eighty Two was like my first and longest favorite band. Uh, what's what are what are some some punk rock bands that that you've seen live? Maybe your a couple of favorites off the top of your head.
1: So the Descendants are probably nice. my top two band. Um, the sh- The tour that I was looking at this morning was from Slater Kinney. Um, they're okay. out of Portland. I do like Bad Religion a lot. Um, they're kind of that pop punk almost too. Um, I don't like that, like really heavy, dark, like, Mm -hmm. I like a little bit of sound. So I, some punk, um, I don't really like, but Fugazi is actually my top, my top band. And, um, I'm not sure if that's considered hardcore punk, but the ideas behind and around their music is definitely punk. And then all of those bands that come out of, uh, Washington DC, out of, uh, Fugazi's label, Discord, I really like, you know, Minor Threat and, yeah. uh, you know, uh, The Evens. That's Ian MacKay, who's the lead singer of Fugazi. Him and his wife have a band called The Evens and they still play for five bucks all around the country, just like Fugazi did uh, in the in the 90s. Awesome. So,
0: yeah, that's what yeah, I like. Yeah, that's awesome. Very cool. Um, I'll share, I mean, I mentioned Blink Me too, but, uh, you know, I've also... The Misfits put on a heck of a show. I'm a big Misfits fan, and uh, I don't know. I guess I Green Day. I guess put on one of my favorite shows that I've seen live, uh, and I feel like they're more more true to the at least the messaging at least with a, a couple of their albums. But anyway, I could talk about music all day. Um, <laughs> but but uh, so you also mentioned that you uh, you go to events, you teach people on how to contribute as well as accessibility. Before we dive into that, uh, your background is in nursing. Uh, So how did you get into open source software?
1: Okay, so I've been in nursing for a long time. Um, I'm in my mid-40s and, um, you know, I can say I have over 20 years of nursing under under my skirt or under my belt. Sorry, sometimes the... (laughs) locally and it was confused me. Um, But for anyone who, but I've always been a caregiver, you know, I've always been the youngest of a family. So having, you know, my Mm. sister's kids to take care of, having my older parents and my grandparents to take care of. And anyone who has ever been a caregiver knows that burnout can come quick and it can be really painful when you feel undervalued and underappreciated. Um, So, I started to feel that in nursing in about 2015, and that's when I sort of made the switch over. So I haven't been in tech very long, um, but I decided to switch careers. I thought at first I was going to go and be in human resources, um, so I went back and got a communications degree. Um, but through a series of unfortunate events, mostly meaning entry-level pay did not quite fit mm-hmm. with my lifestyle. Um Someone suggested I take uh, some tech classes and I landed in a program called Drupal Easy, which is an online program like 12 12 weeks long where you learn Drupal. Um, And that's where I really learned the value of what free software meant and what it was. um, And the collaboration needed what you need to be successful with open source. And I found that really inspiring, that story of it takes a community to build this software. Um, I had some really wonderful mentors who are contributors to open source, and they taught me how to write a patch and do all that sort of issue queue stuff. And that's where I became hooked. Um, But because I was new to tech, I really had to be creative and use my strengths. And that's where um, teaching sort of opened it up for me. Um, but you know just having that burnout in nursing really led me to a different career in tech.
0: This episode is brought to you by the Events Calendar. The original calendar for WordPress, this free plugin helps you with calendaring, ticketing, and more powerful tools to help you manage your events from start to finish. Whether you run school events, concerts at a venue, or fundraisers for nonprofits, the Events Calendar gives you the tools you need to make it your own. And with the Events Calendar Pro, you can create custom views, recurring events, add your own custom fields to events, and much more. Run virtual events? No problem. With the virtual events add-on, you can quickly and easily manage your online-only or hybrid events. With deep Zoom integration, custom virtual event coding for search engine optimization, and the ability to embed video feeds directly on your website, the events calendar makes putting virtual and hybrid events together easier. And I can't stress this one enough. Let me tell you, I have tried to roll my own webinar software, my own live stream event software, and it is difficult and I have 20 years experience making websites. The events calendar is the tool that you need to make virtual events a lot easier. You can even sell tickets and only show the stream to ticket holders. If you run events, whether in person or online, you need the events calendar. Head on over to howibuilt.it slash events to learn more. That's howibuilt.it slash events to start running your events more efficiently today. Thanks so much to the events calendar for supporting the show. And now let's get back to it. Again, my wife's a nurse, you know, and she's, she's younger than I am. She, uh, she's going to be 30 this year. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. Uh, but, um, I, I'm sure she doesn't care. So she's like relatively green. Um, you know, but, uh, I just see like some days where it's like tough. She didn't have the support of the people she needed to have the support of. And that can, I mean, that can weigh on you. Um, my mom has MS and and you mentioned the, the caretaker burnout. You know, I see that, uh, with my dad. And so, you know, it could be, it could be really tough. Um, I I but I love what you said about kind of being inspired by open source software. I really feel like open source is uh, a different a different breed of software, right? Uh I noticed this, maybe you've noticed this in, in, in both spaces, but um there aren't there aren't necessarily a lot of secrets kept in the open source community, right? Like you talk to, you know, like Apple and Microsoft aren't sharing a whole lot of what they're doing, but um, you know the block editor that was started in wordpress is going to also be in drupal right like a rising mm-hmm. tide raises all shifts, ships sort of thing which which i think is super cool um share your knowledge and 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 share your skill and contribute to kind of the greater good mhm
1: and um the part that open source that sort of is is in, in uh What drew me to it, too, was because nursing is very altruistic. You know, I was a hospice nurse, or I am a hospice nurse. Um, And so there's a part of yourself that feels good just for giving back. And it translates really well in that open source world, too, because giving back is very altruistic. You don't expect anything in return. You know, you just do it because you know it's the right thing to do. So it was a good replacement for those those feelings I felt in nursing, you know, that I was missing. Like when I started thinking I was going to be in HR, I didn't get those feelings in HR, you know, (laughs) I get those feelings for, for really helping out and giving back to the greater good. And most of our projects that we work on, well, it depends on what company you work for, but a lot of agencies and organizations that use our open source software are doing things for the greater good. There are higher eds, there are nonprofits, you know, and so it feels good to be a part of that, you know, WordPress operates 40% of the, the web. Drupal runs 5% of the web. That's almost 50% of the web that you have your hands in, yeah. you know? So it's very exciting.
0: Yeah, that's, that's incredible. And I, I love the the parallel that you drew there between, um, you know, being a nurse and giving back and then being, uh, Uh, being able to give back in the open source space as well, because I, I always, I guess I have a harder time seeing it. You know, my wife has a bad day versus I have a bad day. I feel like my wife's bad day is, is worse. And she always tells me that's, it's not the case. It depends on, you know, kind of what, where you are and, and things like that. And so it's, it's really cool to see parallels like that. Um, Now, so you, I was checking out your LinkedIn profile and you say, I really like this, uh, working to lower the barrier to entry in tech through my leadership of first-time contributor workshops at the local and regional level. Um, I think that uh, this is an often overlooked aspect of contributing, right? So um, I guess to give some context, right? A lot of people think that in order to contribute to open source, you need to learn, you need to know how to code or maybe they know how to code, but they're not quite sure how to jump in. What made you focus on the, the first time contributor kind of aspect of it?
1: I worked for an agency um, very much that had the same sort of role for me in a little bit different way, but I was helping internally versus externally where I was helping people when they were onboarded onto our team, give back to Drupal. And I was working with someone, a friend of mine, who had been in Drupal for 10 years. And I thought to myself, I can't help this person. And she said, I've never written a patch. I've never done this. And I was like, what? You know? And so I realized that everyone has the potential to be a first-time contributor. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't matter how long they've been doing it. Maybe they haven't had the privilege or the opportunity to give back and they just needed a little bit of, you know, help, right? So when my next job came around and I had the opportunity to teach externally, you know, within the community versus, you know, just within the agency, I really thought about who contributed, how we see, when we go to camps and we go to contributions days, like when we, this, and this is where Drupal and WordPress are a little bit different. Um, When I go to a, a Drupal contribution day at the DrupalCon level, we have a workshop where there's hundreds of people and the people who are getting left behind are the human resources, people, the project managers, the marketers, our designers, our content authors, because They had this misconception that only coders, because they go to these workshops and everyone's talking about how do you set up your machine for local development, Mm -hmm. how do you do this. And I realized I don't have my machine set up for local development, and I'm a top contributor to Drupal. You don't need to have those things to do that. And I realized too that these people weren't coming to Contrib Day, so they were missing out on a whole day of networking because they felt they weren't equipped to do that. So we sort of took contribution days and sort of rattled it up a little bit and decided, well, let's teach more about not just code, but how do you you know, how do you contribute to documentation? How do you contribute when you don't have a local environment? How, how do you market Drupal? How do you market WordPress? And what it was for me was going to my first WordCamp US and going to their contribution day and seeing that the code table was one of the smallest tables. In all of the other contrib spaces. And it was sort of one of these aha moments for me. So I decided to take that back to the local and regional level because I go to local and regional camps and teach it in a way that everyone can feel empowered because that's what it's about. It's about empowering people to feel like they can contribute. Um, Because, and I think coming from that non technical background really helps me be successful with empowering folks too. And not to sound self-deprecating, but it's that, you know, if I can do it, you can Mm -hmm. do it sort of montage. And we really have to think about, like, it takes all types of perspectives and diverse people to make our software usable and accessible because our engineers use the software in one way. They write the documentation for other developers and engineers, so it takes all of our perspectives to be like, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. You're skipping a step that I don't know because I don't have a technical background. So I really empower folks to like contribute, like even a documentation. Like if you can't figure out what they're asking you to do, that means the documentation is incomplete. Um, so those so those non-technical users are the, the best people for some of these like user experience tasks, you know, documentation and even UI things. So that's where I like, you can tell I just get super excited. But um, but now when we do contrib days, we make sure that we have, you know, when we run initiatives like WordPress, you know, we make sure that there's issues for everyone to work on, you know, and even like we get some of these smaller tasks, like maybe it's a documentation or a code block in our in our code base. And it's not code. It's written in plain English. But we can get, you know, our human resource person to come in and change that human-readable text and learn how to make a patch. So they're touching the code, but not touching the code at the same time, but they're learning that process. And so every time they contribute, they become more empowered, they learn code, they're opening up, they're learning GET. So all of these little things help people sort of explore what they can do next too so if they want to switch and go into code they have that little bit of experience of like even opening their terminal for the first time
0: yeah i absolutely love that cuz even i mean i'm i have a a masters degree in software engineering but my biggest contributions to the wordpress space are not code because I don't feel like learning SVN. I don't feel like running the million things I need to do through homebrew to get my local machine up and running or whatever. So I contribute primarily through teaching and speaking. Uh, and that's a, a passion of mine as well. I think that's so great. Um, and, and you're absolutely right. Like the, the different perspectives, I am a developer who absolutely hates when a developer goes, well, it's working on my machine. Like that's not oh, great. So I'll just go use your machine for the thing I need to do, right? Like I, I don't know how that's helpful. Um so working with other people who have different perspectives, who use your software differently is just going to make the software better. Um and so I I think you I think you touched on this a little bit, but uh, what are what are some of the the most common misconceptions when when you see, uh, that you see when teaching people about contributing to open source?
1: Well, again, folks often think that they need to know how to code. Um, but often they're reluctant to fix the small things. Like they don't know, they don't think they're going to be impactful. Mm -hmm. Um, so I just like to remind folks that there's no such thing as just a typo. There's there's no small issue in our software, you know, our grammar that we use in our inter, in our user interfaces, our spelling errors, um, our accessibility patterns, you know, incomplete documentation. All of those things might seem small to folks, but when we have external people evaluate WordPress as a project, you know, are they going to be using WordPress for their for their organization, you know? Um, When we have product owners evaluate our projects and their spelling mistakes, or the UI or our code blocks or our documentation have typos, or it's one long sentence Mm -hmm. and it's hard to read, they question the validity of our projects, right? So, we want to make sure that our products look good from all angles, you know? So, when folks ask what kind of issues are worth reporting and fixing, I say all of them, you know? And those smaller fixes, like I said, help empower people the smaller fix helps empower people to make a bigger fix. You know, the more small fixes they have, the more experience they have under their belt.
0: Wow, I love that. The smaller fix empowers people to make a bigger fix. Um, and that's that's so true, right? Like, yeah, not everybody is going to be working on the block editor or, or full site editing or whatever. But the, the, the language, for example, that we use is so important, right? A, a, a few... I guess a couple months ago now, um, Matt Medeiros tweeted about some messaging in the Jetpack plugin and how uh, it was a little scare tacticy and how it made people think they needed to get this extra thing in Jetpack. And to to the Jetpacks team credit, uh, they fixed it same day. They reworded it. But it took somebody else pointing out, "Hey, like maybe this isn't the best way to approach users with this problem," uh, and and that can have a big impact on how people use the software. Right? Another example is block editor versus Gutenberg. Right? A lot of people think that they are different, or how do you get one without the other? And and, and just the way we talk about that, uh, you know, affects how people are interacting with WordPress. So I think what you say, what you said is so important. Uh, and, and again, I love the, the smaller fix empowers people to, to, uh, make a bigger fix.
1: And then also to kind of tag along with that is sometimes people don't grasp the concept that you don't need to know how to fix the issue to report the issue. Mm. You know, you don't need to know code to open an issue in the track queue. Um, Again, it comes down to, you know, our developers don't know how we all use the software, especially when it comes to accessibility. You know, maybe they don't know the the latest um, eye tracking software or the, the way a screen reader interacts with when people zoom in to the browser, you know. So if we don't report those edge cases, edge edge cases they don't know that they exist you know but like i said i just always want to stress to people you don't have to know how to fix it to report an issue and reporting an issue is definitely giving back to our project this
0: episode is brought to you by text expander in our fast paced world things change constantly and errors in messaging often have significant consequences with text expander you can save time by converting any text you type into a keyboard shortcut called a snippet Say goodbye to repetitive text entry, spelling, and message errors, and trying to remember the right thing to say. When you use Text Expander, you can say the right thing in just a few keystrokes. Text Expander lets you make new approved messaging available to every team member instantly with just a few keystrokes, ensuring your team remains consistent, current, and accurate. Text Expander can also be used in any platform, any app, and anywhere you type. So take back your time and increase your productivity. But that's not all it does. With its advanced snippets, you can create fill-ins, pop-up fields, and more. You can even use JavaScript or AppleScript. I can type out full instructions for my podcast editor, hi Joel, in just a few keystrokes. Another one of my favorite and most used snippets is PPT. This will take whatever text I have on my clipboard and convert it into plain text. No more fighting formatting if I'm copying from Word or any place else. Last month, I saved over two hours in typing alone. That doesn't even take into account the time I saved by not having to search for the right link, text, address, or number. You have no idea how many times I want to type out a link to a blog post or an affiliate link and I can't remember it and then I have to go searching for it. That generally takes minutes, but since I have a Text Expander snippet, it takes seconds. Text Expander is available on macOS, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. I've been using it a lot more on my iPhone lately because I've been working from my iPhone more uh, because there are days when I'm just not in front of my computer right now. If you've been curious about trying Text Expander or simple automation in general, now's the time. Listeners can get 20% off their first year. Just visit TextExpander.com slash podcast and let them know that I sent you. Thanks so much to Text Expander for sponsoring the show. And now let's get back to it. When I was writing my book, I had a chapter on accessibility. And so I was trying these accessibility tools and it revealed some things about my own site. That just because I don't I don't use, I mean, I don't use my site in a certain way for sure, but um, I'm usually on the back end of my website, right? So I'm not even really interacting on the front end with it a lot, except for some basic testing. And so, um, yeah, when you see an issue, especially in open source, but like on any website, like report it, it, it it'll make the software better for you and for lots of other people too. Uh, what a great point. That you that you make there. Uh, so we've been wow we've already we've already been talking for a while, uh, and and um, the the next question I want to ask you is more around the the teaching side of things. I'm a teacher. I've taught at the college level for a long time, um, and I have my own online courses and things like that. Uh, and a few years ago at WordCamp US, I gave a talk about having empathy while teaching. Because it's easy once you have been using something for a long time to forget what it's like to be a beginner. Uh, so, with that in mind, what should others keep in mind when teaching beginners?
1: So, I think keeping in mind that gatekeeping knowledge is a real thing that exists is the first part. Um, we don't want to make any assumptions about anybody's skill level, you know, um, and then saying things like, you've never done this can be Mm -hmm. really discouraging for folks. So just making sure that you understand that everyone's skill levels and passions and interests are different. And then taking to account that not everyone learns the same way. I might learn from watching a video, but other people might need that transcript, you know, to really process the information. Um, And so having a couple of available formats for folks to learn from or additional resources really helps. Um, and like you said, um, I have a book in my storage unit that says every great chess player was once a beginner. And really rem- re- remembering that, you know, um, and then there's that saying, you know, if you want to learn something, teach it. Um, because, we're always better teachers when we're first teaching the subject because we've really explored it because we don't want to get it wrong. And then we iterate, you know, but that first time we learn, you know, um, and then really like our students and even our people we collaborate with, you know, they ask questions that we didn't even think about, you know, they introduce those weird edge cases and so I always encourage students to help out in the teaching process too, you know, and I tell them that mm-hmm. from the beginning, you know, I'm not perfect. Um, help me improve the documentation. Help me improve the slide deck, you know, and that way, you know, the, all those best practices are in place for the next round of classes and 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 people, those students will feel empowered too because they're helping you with the next set of people. But I think it's really you know, not making assumptions about skill levels. You know, when I teach people like how to open a terminal, I skip no steps. When I write documentation, mm-hmm. I skip absolutely no steps because it's easier that way. You know, that way um, people don't get lost at the beginning. You know, they're following you the same way. And I found... The virtual thing has been a little bit more difficult because you can't always like see your students anymore. You can't see the bewilderment in their eyes, you know? Um, But that's something I look for in real life is I just make sure I like am focused and make sure my classes are small enough. You know, I just really value the experience that that student has more than the information I'm presenting. It's more about the experience of the student.
0: This episode is brought to you by Linode. Visit Linode.com/slash built it and see why Linode has been voted the top infrastructure as a service provider by both G2 and TrustRadius. From their award-winning support, offered 24/7, 365 to every level of user, to ease of use and setup, it's clear why developers have been trusting Linode for projects both big and small since 2003. One of my favorite use cases for Linode is I was able to spin up a virtual server for my iPad. So I set up a server on Linode, I set up my development environment on my iPad and I was able to push code easily to my Linode server so that I could do development from my iPad while I was on the road without a laptop. Deploy your entire application stack with Linode's one-click app marketplace or build it all from scratch to manage everything yourself with supported, centralized tools like Terraform. Linode offers the best price-to-performance value for all compute instances, including GPUs, as well as block storage, Kubernetes, and their upcoming bare-metal release. Linode makes cloud computing fast, simple, and affordable, allowing you to focus on your projects, not your infrastructure. This is the perfect and affordable solution for managing lots of client websites from a single host, especially if you use your own tools or your own setup for maintenance packages. Visit Lino.com slash how I built it. Create a free account with Google, GitHub, or your email address, and you'll get $100 in credit. That's linode.com, linod dot com slash how I built it and sign up to get $100 in credit. When you're writing, especially when you're writing documentation, or you have a video, right? Something that's not necessarily in the classroom. People could always skip the part that they know, right? But the people who don't know the very basics, they can't just like invent it out of thin air. So. Explain what the terminal is. If I know what terminal is, I can just skip that sentence and move on to the part that I want. Um, I think that's so great. And you are 100% um, in, in the classroom versus teaching online. Um, I, I mean, the thing that changed my whole perspective on teaching was the first time I decided to teach WordPress to a bunch of non-technical students. Students at the University of Scranton have to take what's called computer literacy. And I thought it would be good for them to set up like a WordPress.com blog. Um, and I was explaining the difference between pages and posts as somebody who's been using WordPress since 2004. And I just saw faces and I'm like, does anybody have any questions? Like you definitely do. And one girl, like God bless her. She changed my whole perspective on teaching. Just said, I have no idea what any of that means. And I'm like, okay. And I, I reworded the whole thing. In a way that they actually understood. And from then on, I was like, wow, I I talked like like everybody has been using WordPress the same way I do. So getting the students involved in teaching, I think, is so, so important. And I'm really glad that you mentioned it.
1: Yeah, I like workshops a lot. Like when when I do the first time contributor workshops, I Teach them like a workshop where we do round robins too. You know, one person gets to do Mm. one thing, the next person, then they switch around. But having that like interactive learning is so much more effective than that lecture based too.
0: Yeah, for sure. There's there's the idea of like the flipped classroom, right? Where um, you maybe assign a lecture for homework, and then you actually work through the problems in class and. Uh, or in the workshop and and you know while that does that has its pitfalls too right I've had students tell me that they've had teachers who just say like watch these videos on Udemy or whatever like just watch these free videos and then we'll work through the and I'm like that's not that's not teaching that's like outsourcing the teaching part but actually working through the problem as a group uh, those were some of my favorite computer science classes right because it was like all of us and the teacher was acting like like they didn't know the answer and just kind of let us work through it and that's so valuable. Um so wrapping up here, uh, first of all, I've loved this conversation like every like everything that you're talking about I'm super passionate about as well so this is great. Um but I do need to ask my favorite question which is do you have any trade secrets for us?
1: Okay, so this might seem odd or weird, but um I recently um, was awarded a pretty prestigious award in Drupal um, for giving back. And uh, I had a lot of people ask me, like, how do you always have that like go getting and always wanting to help? And it's because I've made myself redundant. Mm. So making yourself redundant, especially when working and volunteering in open source is super important. You know, when you take on a leadership role, part of being a leader and having that leadership position is really making sure you have an exit strategy. So we're always looking to learn new things and take on new leadership roles, but we also need to learn how to leave those other leadership roles behind. So for me, in the last two years, I've been making sure that I've always had someone learning the role with me. So if I take on a meetup, like I organized San Francisco Drupal users meetup, I make sure that there's someone that can do absolutely every task that I can do. So one, I can go on vacation. Wow, what a concept, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> or... I just am overloaded because I'm going to WordCamp, you know, Ohio next week, and I can't possibly do the Thursday meetup. So making sure that I have someone who can step in is something I had to learn because at first, you know, you have imposter syndrome, you want to make yourself valuable, Mm -hmm. you don't want to be replaceable, but really... That's my secret is making sure that I am replaceable so I can always take on those new opportunities when I'm asked. So if someone asks me, hey, do you want to be a WordCamp US organizer? I'm like, yeah. So I look at what roles I have and I'm like, you know what? I've been on this team for a long time. I'm going to step down into a support role and there's someone to take over my
0: leadership role.
1: Again, always making sure that you have someone to to help you out, like the buddy system.
0: Yeah, that's, I'm not, I am not blowing smoke here. This is maybe my favorite trade secret because in 200 some odd episodes, it's never been mentioned, but it's so true, right? Like, especially for a lot of people who listen are self-employed and they think they can't take a vacation or they can't fully take a vacation or they have to take their laptop with them just in case something happens. I'll tell you, I... When I went on my honeymoon in 2016, I was in Italy for two weeks. I didn't bring my computer. Nothing was burned down to the ground because I had a backup. I had my friend. He knew we knew the same things. He could handle the emergencies. There were no emergencies. Uh, so I think that's make yourself replaceable. I, I absolutely love that. So first of all, if you want to hear more from uh, Amy June... Um, about WordPress versus Drupal. And I might ask you about geocaching there too. Uh, you can sign up for the Build Something Club over at buildsomething.club. It's just five bucks a month or 50 bucks a year and you get ad-free extended episodes. If you, uh, Amy June, if people want to learn more about you, where can they find you?
1: So... <laughs> I was a Volkswagen mechanic in a past lifetime as well, working on air-cooled vintage Volkswagens. So my handle across all of the spaces is Volkswagen Chick, and Volkswagen is a German word. So it's spelled V-O-L-K-S-W-A-G-E-N, Chick, C-H-I-C-K. So that's Twitter, that's LinkedIn, that's all the weird spaces. So that's probably the best places, LinkedIn or, or, uh, or Twitter.
0: Perfect. I will uh, list all of those and everything that we talked about in the show notes over at howibuilt.it slash 227. Amy June, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you. What a a nice uh, opportunity to talk about my passions.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, thanks to uh, this week's sponsors, Linode, The Events Calendar, and Text Expander. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, get out there and build something.